You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Uh, just going to kind of spill the conversation from last night right over into this morning, talking about Jeff Halfley. Obviously, we've been diving into the tape. I went back and watched a couple of Ohio State games from 2019. Um, I wanted to go back and watch some 49ers tape, but obviously just being the DB coach there with San Francisco, probably a waste of time, not getting any, very much information there. But uh, we'll kind of continue to dive into what others are saying, you know, like uh, like what Ben Fennell has to say about breaking down the tape and kind of looking at the tendencies that, that they've seen at BC. You're going to hear some fans go, it doesn't matter what happened at BC. It doesn't matter – I'm trusting, I'm choosing to trust the people who kind of watch tape for a living. You know, if they say it matters what happened at BC, then I'm going to trust them over Hambubger782 on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? So that's just me personally. It's kind of how I'm seeing it. We've also got a Halfley interview where he's kind of talking about scheme. We got a couple of box cams showing a few plays with six man pressure red zone zero, that type of stuff. And if we have time, we'll get the Goody's presser. If not, we'll spill that into tonight. But, Tim, how you doing this morning, Bob? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. Always glad to look at some tape, Clayton. <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. I know we got a herd of people here in the chat. Uh, let see. We got Dick in the house. We got Donovan Schilling, Sam Shaver. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, David Mitchell, Boz, Nick McSwain, Chris, um, United Bates, Ron, Couple of new faces in here. That's that's awesome, man. Let's see. David Mitchell in the chat says, "Saw that Nags is a fan of Clayton's work yesterday on another podcast. So I guess the PTA gang are influencers now." Who? who? <laughs> yeah, people hear Clayton's name and they go, "Who?" Um, yeah, I wouldn't. If I'm an influencer, the uh, the intellect in the Packer community is about to drop about, about ten notches here. Okay. Hey, so, but they'll be watching more film though, Clayton. That is true. They will be nerding out. There's no doubt about that. But. Uh, yeah. Anyway, appreciate that though, David. That's that's cool. I, I, I was on with uh um Ramage last night. That was a lot of fun. You know, Matt Ramage is just one of those guys you you kind of look around the the Packer fandom landscape, I guess you could say. Try to find people who are positive, man. People who focus on the the cup being half full, not half empty. There's there's no reason in spending all your time watching football and being miserable the entire time. It doesn't mean you can't acknowledge what's wrong and try to figure out ways to, that the Packers may or may not fix it and, and all that good stuff. But, man, life's too short, dude. Life's too short. We found out a good friend of ours passed away here just uh, not too long ago, and it, it really shocked us. We had no idea because we had lost connection, and, you know, life kind of hits everybody, and you go your separate ways. And Yeah, man, it's just uh, too short to be arguing and, and definitely too short to not hit that block button if somebody's acting like a moron. You know what I'm saying? Just, just right. snap it and move. On dust your feet off, as the good book says. So uh, let's see here. 
Yeah, Doug, Doug Pointer, Clayton becoming an influencer, dot, 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 dot. Cheers, Clayton. I wish you hadn't put the cheers, Clayton. I wish you just kept the dot, 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 because that's how I feel about it. Ain't no influencer going on here. But anyway, appreciate it. You call me anything you want, but don't call me that. Exactly. When I hear influencer, I think of, I think of, you know, IG models and and, uh, right. and uh, Jackson Mahomes and people like that. I'm not interested, me personally. All right, just uh, I would rather – yeah, you. I get complaints about this camera we use here, Tim, where we're just kind of small on the screen. That's because we're not big fans of the narcissist cam. That's just me personally. Okay, I don't, I don't, I love a Tim dubbed that the narcissist cam, where you just want to put your face on the entire screen. I can't do it, man. I want to turn the cam off before we can roll like that. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, Eric, I agree. He says Ramage is a national treasure. His love for life and the Packers is infectious, man. You just never see him down. You never see him down. Last night was. A lot of fun. What's great is that recording the show was great, but I'm telling you, man, before it and after it, that's the best part. Yeah. It's just cutting up with Ramage, man. He's I got to spend a little time with him at training camp, and that was just – man, those were the best days, let me tell you, just walking around with Ramage. You know, he is uh, he is a national treasure. He shall be protected at all costs. Absolutely. Chris in the chat, member of the PTA Posse, appreciate you, buddy. Um, he said, uh, I've been pushing the block button a lot, a ton lately, and my feed on X has been awesome. I'm telling you, people have no idea. They have no clue. If you see something and you go, ah, and you just scroll past it, if you start with just muting them, if you just mute them, that helps a ton. But if someone continues to tag you, and my golden rule is, if the only time you hear from someone is it's negative or they disagree with you, that's not called a follow. That's not called a colleague. That's not called a fellow fan. That's called a troll, right? Hit that block button. I'm telling you, you're right, Chris, man. It uh, it definitely uh, it cleans up the feed, and, man, it's a lot of – it just makes it way more enjoyable, you know. Speaking of blocking, here's a guy I had to block a half a dozen times on social media. Jacob, Jacob, what's up, buddy? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> How's everybody doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good, man. Just uh, we were trying to wait on you a little bit. We got a video there of Halfley um, doing an interview with. I'm trying to think of the name of the. I've never heard. I think it, maybe it's Next Man Up is what it's called. Um, but really cool podcast uh, setup format there. I don't know who the guy is that hosted. I wish I could name drop him, but I'm sure you guys know who he is. Got a ton of way more views in this channel, but he did an excellent job interviewing Halfley. I know uh, Jacob sent me a small clip of Jeff Halfley sitting down with this guy. And what I did, Jacob, I went back and found a little bit longer winded answer when he's talking about scheme, that type of thing. So let's just go ahead and roll that tape real quick. Again, I believe this is called Next Man Up or Next Up Podcast. I'm sure you guys can find it here on YouTube. If you just search, if you search Jeff Halfley, it's one of the top ones that pop up. Excellent job by this guy doing the interview. Here we go. Most people that are watching the podcast won't, won't know what we're talking about, but uh, as a, you've seen a ton of defense. What What's a, a trend on each side of the ball that you're seeing in college football right now um, that is kind of becoming more and more prevalent around the game. Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of teams go to three down. Yeah. I mean, you know, three down linemen get more people on their feet, yeah. um, which, you know, I get. People are spreading the ball out, the quarterback run game. There's a lot more simulated pressures now where yeah. it looks like you're pressuring, but you're only sending four yeah. and you're dropping into coverage. The trend a couple years ago is that extra safety in the middle of the field. Say, three safety, yeah. Iowa State stuff. Right, yeah. which, which got yeah. hot. So you, you do try to stay up with the trends. Yeah. Um, I have a pretty solid core of what I believe in, but I also mm -hmm. think you need to continue to adapt and to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important. And I wish I had more time with that. I mean, Part of the cool thing about the NFL is you could come in, in the offseason and say, I want to study the top red zone team on defense and on Monday. And then Wednesday, I want to study the top third down team. And on Friday, I want to study. Yeah. It's hard enough to watch film of your own cutups in college football, <laughs> yeah. everything that you got to do. Yeah. But I still try to watch a lot of NFL tape to stay updated with what the trends are in that league, yeah. too. Um, and you can see, like, everyone was running the, the Seattle defense, and there's still a lot of teams doing that. Now, Coach Fangio's defense, it's that yeah. whole cult of people are doing yeah. that. So those are fun things still to study. What, you mentioned your, uh, you know, kind of what you believe in on defense. What, what is that? If someone says, what is the Coach Halfley defense, what, how do you describe it? We've been more middle-closed defense with a safety in the middle of the field than probably most people in college football. Yeah. Um, most people are some type of too high quarter space, and I get it for the quarterback run game. So mm -hmm. we've had the kind of trend in that direction as well. But I've, I've done a lot. I've done a lot, at least the starting point with the middle close with four down linemen. Um, very similar to what we did in San Francisco and Ohio State, and a lot of people doing in the NFL. 
Um, but I've started to adapt and create different one high shells, which really play like two high shells and get extra guys in the box. Yeah. You just got to stop the quarterback run game. So it's yeah. a different, it's almost when I talk to my friends in the NFL and we talk defense together, it's almost a different game. Yeah. I mean, cause the friends in the NFL, does that mean Matt LaFleur is a friend? <gasps> quarterback in the NFL, they're going to run it in big moments or in the red zone or on third down yeah. or in a championship game. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that week in and week out. Yeah. And you got to account for an extra guy. Yeah. So you got to change. Yeah. Um, and those are, and then you can go, I, I joke sometimes unbalanced. It's, you can't do that in the NFL. It's like yeah. we're defending unbalanced formations. There's a field and a boundary yeah. in college football where in the NFL, the ball's in the middle of the field the whole game. Yeah. It's a different game. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun to, to follow it. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned that you mentioned the hash marks. What, what's, What's something that, uh, what's a rule that if you could change it in college football, you would? Other than, I mean, everyone, when I ask this question, everyone says the NIL stuff. Yeah. So uh, an actual, like, gameplay rule. I'd probably go to the NFL hashes yeah. and go more into the NFL rules. I'd put the, I'd put the quarterback, the mic in his helmet. Yeah, that's got to happen. Right? Help us not steal signals, right? Yeah. And, and again, if, if you're going to signal, then yeah, I got it. During the game, steal it's a little subtle shot at Michigan there. Signals. Yeah. I get it. No problem. Hide your signals better, right? <laughs> um, but I would do that. We've kind of went to the, the clock, right? It's yeah, running yeah. until I'd add in the two-minute warning, just like yeah. the NFL. Um, you know, situational football is huge. So I think, you know, playing the game this way makes you think a little bit more. But why not make the field dimensions the same? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then get rid of the unbalanced so we don't have to defend unbalanced formations. <laughs> yeah. You got your unbalanced check, right? Every yeah, yeah, you got to work on every yeah. week, your every unbalanced week. check. Yeah. And I mean, the offenses are good at it yeah. and it's hard to defend. Yeah. So you get the nub tight end on oh, the, yeah. at the tackle spot. And the guy's got to recognize it on the field. You get X off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. The corners rarely see that the X is off. Then yeah. that guy motions over. You're and, screaming it from the sideline. Yeah, yeah, no you. <laughs> you see it from the booth. That's all yeah. who sees it. Everyone's yeah. yelling. Um, you know, there, there's some other things and rule changes that I think little things here or there, but we might as well make it as close to that game as we yeah. can. I think we'll prepare them even better for it. No, that's a good and point. it's time tested, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask about. All right, that's pretty much it. He forgot um, to say uh, get two feet down on a catch too. We should, uh, yeah, there's change a, that there's rule too. <laughs> yeah, and you know I'm not I'm not big on you know what rules they should or should not change. I feel like you know the majority of our time should be spent on and you know from a fan perspective, the reason I don't talk about it much on the show, majority of the time should be understanding scheme, understanding what teams are actually trying to accomplish rather than, well, you know, if the hashes were actually here, but it it does make things a a lot different as far as defending. So um, Jacob, you were the one who shared that small clip, right? Um, And Sam Shaver in the chat says, I believe that's Adam Brenneman. I hope that's correct too. If so, definitely want to give him credit. Again, I didn't see the name on it. I just know the it said next up in the upper left corner, but great job there with the interview. Jacob, you sent me a small clip of this, man. Uh, what stood out to you? What do you want to hit on? Kind of what, what, what's it spark in your mind, man? Uh, yeah, I guess first off, it's the guy is incredibly knowledgeable. Uh, you can see just with the way that he describes the game. Um, he has a lot of just overall knowledge and more than that. Um, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy. If you could see in the uh, comment section, Dakota pointed that out and Eric helped him out with some analogies. Um, we don't need to highlight those, but uh, <laughs> oh, actually, we do. Let's just go ahead and hit them real quick. Okay, sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> see. First if, of all, Doug Pointer says it appears Halfley and Matt LaFleur have the same barber. He went straight in arm, right? Yeah. Chewy came in and said, I'm so short when I sit on the curb, my feet dangle. And this might be my favorite. Donovan Schilling says, Eric's so short, he wears heels to kiss AFAM. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Jake. Uh, no, I mean, it just, it, it kind of, after hearing him talk, he's got. A, a quiet kind of swagger to him. Um, he's got a quiet kind of subtle, like confidence. Um, when I watch him, it's like, oh, I, I can kind of play for this guy. It's a different, oh god, it's a different way than in <laughs> like that Dan Campbell kind of way. You know what I mean? It's more of like a, a quiet confidence. Um, and he he does seem like he understands the NFL. He references it a lot, and you can kind of tell that him and Matt Lafleur could get along. That's what I could guess. Like just from watching him talk, his mannerisms, the way he carries himself, I'm like, yeah, him and Matt Floor could sit in a in a war room together and really crash out some crazy schemes and a good game plan. I'm yeah. confident. I'm. I'm. It made me way more excited to see, uh, to see him, kind of 
break down the game like that and just be right. just, just talk about it kind of raw. It was cool. I like it. Yeah, and these are the things we're looking for because the numbers aren't there at BC, and, and no. you got to be real careful. Like we we said the very first night when we broke down the numbers, we were talking about their rankings and just how bad they were points per game, passing, you know, yards per pass attempt, yards per rush attempt, um, and we tried to throw that that disclaimer out there, that you know, that little warning, like, listen, guys, he's only working with so much at BC, right? Like you've got to take that into account. Now, immediately people go back to Ohio State. Well, in twenty nineteen, he had a ton of talent. Look at what they did, but. At 2019, he was also co-defensive coordinator. And and this is probably the last time I'm going to comment on this because I cannot find anyone to answer it for me. We're trying to find out if he was calling plays at Ohio State. I've got Ohio State fans saying he never called plays at Ohio State. He was co-defensive coordinator, but he wasn't the play caller. Um, Ryan sent me a video last night where some people are saying, yeah, they're, they're saying he was because of this video. And then you watch the video. Not once does he mention he was calling plays. He mentioned them adjusting from the box. He mentioned how he and other defensive coordinators couldn't really hear each other in the box because I guess it was so loud or they were just so focused on certain things. But never once did he say he was play caller. He could have been the play caller at Ohio State. Okay. So if, let me just put it this way. It's like Bigfoot. Okay. If you want to believe he was the play caller, believe it. All right. If you don't, don't. I could care less, but I'm not going to argue over it. <laughs> All right. To the best of my knowledge, he's never been a play caller anywhere he's coached. That could be a good thing. That might have been the problem at BC. You know, he may have designed this really good defense, and the play caller just wasn't that good. Now, he was there to the best of my knowledge for four years. But nonetheless, I just want to say that piece on Ohio State because that's kind of a hot-button topic. And I keep putting fillers out there going, show me the clip, show me the article where it says he was the play caller, right? I found one article that was close, but again, it didn't say he was calling plays. It just kind of alluded to he was very, very heavily involved in the game plan itself. But, Tim, off that video – go ahead. I'm sorry, Jay. Was yeah, that? Donald Donald claims that J.J. claimed that uh, he called plays. So maybe we can get the expert in here to see if that's – Well, that's, that's the video I'm pretty sure that Ryan sent me. So he sent the video over. And it was like, okay, we watched the video, and I asked Ron, I'm like, did you hear him say it? Like, did he say it? And he went, I didn't hear him say it. So we just kind of left it at that. I know, I know JJ was a big Ohio State fan, so I'm assuming he would – I don't know, maybe. Well, I'm just looking for one piece of – one source, one article saying he was the play caller, one video of him talking about calling the plays. He's, he talks about adjustments they made and this and that, and then it always goes back to when I talk to the other Ohio State fans, they, they're saying – he wasn't the play caller, so you know it, it's happily still so unknown. Maybe let's send him an email or two. Let's be like, hey, it's, this is PTA. It's just Packers total. Call him. Here. Let me call him. Dude. Like, maybe he doesn't know enough to not know. Be like, we, you got to give us an interview, guy. Come on now. Right. Right. And he's gonna be like, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We again. If you guys find it, send it to me because I combed through last night all kinds of articles and everything, and I, I still, again, I never, I never found. Anything the closest I've seen was uh, it just talked about them being in a press box, the right pieces are in place. Um, you know, it, it mentions Barnes more than it mentions uh, um, Jeff Halfley. So, again, I just don't want to waste a lot of energy on it. When someone finds proof, send it over. I'd love to see it. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Mikey in the chat says, My cousin's brother's co worker said that Halfley called the shots during family game night. <laughs> love it absolutely love. it's just as a fan base we get so hung up on the, the littlest stuff and and, and like the, the smallest things and when it happens what i want to do is immediately go okay let's get the answer let's put this to bed and this is one of those things it's like you know the the picture's just too damn grainy to see the grassy knoll and it's driving me insane it's like can we just stop arguing about it at least but anyway it's not that it matters he's probably going to be calling plays in green bay anyway right so um so, with that being said, Tim, anything stick out to you on that video that you like, didn't like, uh, as far as just that short conversation or that short clip of that conversation with Jeff? Well, what stood out to me is, I, I know this doesn't mean anything, but you can hear it in in Coach Halfley's voice, man. He's got that grizzled, little bit of a grizzled gruff in his voice, and it's got to be from years of just passionately screaming for his players, and I love that. You talk about, you know, Jacob brought up a good point. It's like a quiet, that quiet swagger that he has. And you can tell that, um, you know, he's passionate about football. And that's huge, um, especially when you have young players. Mm. You know, you want to you want to 
get that passion out of your young players, get the best, get them coming off the field, leaving it all out there. And uh, the other thing that really stood out to me is in almost every bit of that conversation, you hear words like flexibility. You have to adapt. You can't do one thing. I love that. That makes me excited about this hire because my biggest fear was we were going to have a DC come in, put a new system in and say, forget everything you ever learned. We're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to have tunnel vision. I love that he has adaptability built into just about everything. And he's talking about, yeah, I love press man. Okay. Well, well, we're going to play zone too. We're going to mix it up. We're going to adapt as a game ebbs and flows. And you know, one of the, one of the knocks on Joe Barry was making adjustments and not adapting or, or, or doing it too late. You know, you, you do it too late in the second half and the game got away from you. Um, it looks like coach Halfley is going to be a guy that builds that flexibility into any, any game plan that he's putting together. So, you know, regardless of the, the call and plays or not, I'm with you, Clayton, he's going to be calling them here. So, uh, let's, uh, get behind them and, um, you know, realize that, uh, I don't think, um, you know, nepotism is the reason this guy got, uh, got hired. I think he got hired because he's qualified, um, you know, friendships aside or, you know, knowing somebody aside, you know, relationships are huge in the NFL. That's how these things work. You, you gotta, you gotta be recommended. You gotta know someone who knows someone that's beside the point. I think we got the right guy and, uh, there's a lot to be excited about going forward because I, I really do. He doesn't seem like, a you know, a stuck in his ways kind of coach. Bingo. He seems like a coach that'll take input from his players uh, and from his, uh, his staff and uh, you know, people in that, in that. Um... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In those meeting rooms, you know, like that, that is so huge because players are going to see things that maybe the coach isn't going to see. And if you've got open communication and you're willing to adjust, uh, you can find success in this league. So, uh, Lot to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nick McSwain says, according to the athletic, Halfley didn't call plays at BC. I think we're pretty much got that confirmed. He was the head coach and he didn't call defensive plays at BC. Now, immediately you got two different arguments there. People go, Okay, well, we can't look at the BC tape because he didn't call the plays. And I'm going, guys, he was the head freaking coach who was a co-defensive coordinator for the 2019 Ohio State Buckeyes. And you're telling me this isn't his defense? Like, let's we don't start building in excuses. You know what I'm saying? That's the big thing. Like, it, it's not about who's right, who's wrong. Is it a good hire? Is it not? It's un, let's understand what's what's fact and what's not. People immediately go to their corners. Like I started showing as soon as I jumped into the tape with BC, I started noticing the corners playing off. You guys know I broke down the depth of the corners last night. It was eleven times they were seven yards off the ball. Nine yard, nine times they were eight yards off the ball. Eight times they were six yards off the ball. Three times they were four yards off the ball. Two times they were three yards off the ball. And once they were 12 yards off the ball. So the 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 large majority of the time, his DBs are playing seven yards off the wide receiver they're covering, right? And you show clips of that. You show pictures of that. And people immediately attack you because they, they don't want to accept the fact that there's a chance 
We're not going to be playing press coverage every single snap. There's no one in the league that does it. So I'll just say that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel really confident, Nick, he didn't call plays at BC. But, again, uh, not that you're saying this, Nick, but many people were like, well, we can't count the BC tape. I think that's BS. I don't, I don't understand how anyone could come up with that standpoint. But, again, you know, fan how you want to fan, right? So it's all good. Um, let's do this. We, you guys heard my breakdown of the BC-Florida State game last night, right? And uh, I know here in the chat I'm getting bullied. I'm getting cyber bullied over here. Donald says, let's all bully Clayton into breaking down the OSU tape. I, I went through and watched every snap – every defensive snap of Ohio State versus uh, Sean Clifford and Will Levis, Penn State, when Penn State was in the top ten that 2019 season. And um, I'll be honest with you, when I was going, should I should I drop these clips? Should I try to put something together? It's like every defensive stop, Chase Young sack. Chase Young sack, and I'm going, is that what we're going to show? Is just him sacking the quarterback? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. You- I'm not going to, so quit asking. You can look at tendencies and stuff, but we don't know if he called the plays, right? And on top of that, you've got this absolute stud of a defense, you know, marching out there. It's it's not like his talent is going to be that much better with the Packers as every other team in the NFL, right? Um, but he will have a lot more talent than he did at BC. So that's where we got to kind of slow down a little bit or maybe even speed up would be the right term and just kind of cruise past this and let's not waste a whole lot of mental energy on on the little the little nuances like that. So um Doug Pointer in the chat says education is the ultimate influencer and I watch daily and learn something every time. You guys are Packers treasure. I mean that we appreciate that Doug. We appreciate you hanging out with us, buddy. We're just a bunch of knuckleheads trying to figure it out like you guys, man. Um Eric Sutherland says I'm I'm unblockable. I'm the Rashawn Gary of YouTube LOL. That's right. Cause you got Stop playing with him. You're unblockable, Eric, because you got more burners than a damn soup kitchen. We know what's going on. Exactly what's going on. All right, so Ben Fennel done some breakdown. You guys, this is a great follow on Twitter. Ben Fennel does an excellent job. Um, He kind of began breaking down some of the the commonalities, if you will, around Jeff Halfley. I really want you to key in on the specifics of this verbiage. Because people people took this and run with it, and they think we're going to be running man coverage 70% of the time. Okay, Key in on the specifics of these tweets. All right, Ben Fennell said, so new Packers defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley. First things that immediately stand out on BC's defense film that differ from Joe Barry general philosophy. Third down man coverage. Why did he just say third down, guys? So he, he's, he's not going to be playing man coverage the entire time, especially at the NFL level, and I'll explain why in a second. He said six-man pressure concepts, okay? Pressure concepts. Notice he didn't say six-man pressures, right? Six-man pressure concepts. It doesn't mean we're going to be firing six every single time, right? You're 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 willing to pull the trigger on six, and you're showing six. You're mugging linebackers. You're, you're, you're bringing the cat up. You're bringing the nickel up to, to, to either fire that cat or fake the cat. We showed the cat blitz last night against FSU, and – it allowed them to play the fact that the corners were playing soft in that in that zero man coverage or cover one man coverage where they fired the cat that allowed the cornerback to break on the ball quick, cause the fumble, scoop and score, got them right back in the ball game. Right. So you're going to see six man pressure concepts. Absolutely. We've seen six man pressure concepts with the Packers last year. Like you guys remember on Chalk Talk, how many times did I show you all them mugging the A gaps? Right. Mugging the A-gaps, Keyshawn coming up, creeping up and faking a blitz and then dropping into coverage, running fire zone blitzes, things like that. So it, it's something It's not just all of a sudden Green Bay is going to start doing this. They have been doing it. Now the question is, at what percentage is it going to increase, right? So um, as far as the six-man pressure, let's show you a clip here. I'm going to drop that down now. So he, uh, Ben Fennell shared a couple of box cam clips. This is what we're talking about with six-man pressure, all right? Notice notice the, the mugging that's going on right here at the top, okay? So you've got a wide nine out to the – let's go from left to right on our screen. You've got a wide nine look, right? Now go all the way opposite side to the number four, right? Wide nine. So you've got two wide nines, right? You've got your inside linebacker occupying the tackle slash guard on the left, right? He's kind of playing a four tech. We don't know if he's actually blitzing or not. You've got the nose is playing what we call – some would refer to it as shade. I would call that a one tech. I feel like he's splitting the gap there on the right side. From the defense's perspective, for those of you listening on the pod, guys, we're we're in the the opposite Madden cam right now. All right. Um, so then you've got the other defensive lineman, right? You see him stand or you see him in what we, what to me looks like probably a what would be considered a four eye, right? Maybe a three tech, 
So that's how they're lined up. You've got wide nine. You've got technically a five tech with the with the linebacker. You've got a one tech, and you've got a four eye or a three tech. Okay. Now you've got the other inside linebackers right behind the nose tackle. Okay. I'm trying to paint a picture for the podcasters here, so y'all bear with me. And then you got the wide nine on the opposite side. Do you know what this defense is, guys? I want you to look here. Remember, we we're talking about four down, four down linemen. We need four down linemen. We need four down linemen. What they're showing right here is a nickel two four five. It's exactly what we ran in Green Bay. And you notice many times from the defensive standpoint, rather than have our defensive linemen on that right side, we had them on the left side. You remember that we did that multiple times. Now, the position of the tight end, if there's one in the in the lineup, or the position of the running back, plays a big role into that too. But nonetheless, this is one of those six man pressures that Ben Finnell's talking about. Let's roll the tape here. I'll try to pause it. All right, so here they come, right? Notice 96 going to shoot the gap in the middle, right? Right through the A gap. That's his goal. You've got the uh, the opposite ed- or the edge beside him, the defensive end, I should say, b- beside him, defensive lineman, is going to try to occupy the right guard. And now you've got that wide nine. You're trying to force isolation plays here, right? But watch how they flow. Both backers blitz. It's a little loop blitz. You notice the backers in the middle. One will engage first. It works the same way as a T-E-E-T or, T- or a T-T stunt. You occupy the blocker, then loop around and they hit home there. Now, you guys know I showed clips of them trying to do that last night, and they never hit home, did they? So Ben Fennel has found clips of other games where they've actually had success and hit home. They didn't hit home, to the best of my knowledge, with any sacks against Florida State. Were you going to say something, Jacob? I'm just asking. It kind of seems like a dumbed-down general question, but I remember when I was in high school, we ran like a 4-4 Trojan was our base, and we had a linebacker spot that literally they could do basically like a, a – an on the call stunt where basically the linebacker would run up to the, so basically as they're aligned right now, say number eight was a linebacker. He'd run up to that D tackle and he'd literally just slap either his right side of his butt or his left side of his butt telling him which way to go. And he was the linebacker would then immediately go the opposite hole. Right. So like, yeah, is there an option in NFL football where basically you, you have that not necessarily every play, but where you have like an option, basically, I don't want to call it like an option stunt, but that's kind of what it would be. Um, you see that at all with Halfley where like, cause that to me would just absolutely confuse the heck out of a lineman. If you, on every play, you don't know which way the guys are shooting off that stacked. Uh, right. Line. But the reason I'm kind of, and I'm a very boring fan in this regard. The reason I'm hesitant to say, yeah, is because just doing that on the fly and changing it. The rest of the defense is not getting that information, especially the rest of the defensive line. And if you're playing the run, you're going to lose gap integrity. All of a sudden, this guy's going to bounce in a different gap. This guy's just going to kind of play off cuff. There's a lot more you can get away with at the college game from a freedom standpoint. You know what I mean? Just doing things on the fly. Right. I, I would say no to that, Jacob, but it doesn't mean I'm right. You know, so um, high school, too, it's it's the wild, wild west out there, big dog. It's you got two or three players on your team that's the best players on the field. Hey, you just, just go out there and do something. Yeah. Just go out there and do something, guys. It's, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, all right, so right here, similar situation. Notice the look, right? Looks like you got three pretty much lined up inside the tackles. You got your wide nines again, right? So you're showing wide nines again. There you see that same simulated pressure. Bang. They picked it up pretty well, but then six comes clean at the end from that wide nine. So we're probably still going to see a lot of wide nine, which makes me happy because with wide nine, that really reduces the explosives in the wide zone run game. It's very, very, very important, right? So – just wanted to kind of hit on that. Now, Ben Fennel, next tweet, he said, definitely more man coverage coming. Last two seasons, 2022 and 2023, Packers played man coverage concepts 32.5% of the time on third down. That was 22nd most in the league. Boston College played man coverage concepts on third down, a staggering 63.1%, second highest in uh, FBS out of 133 teams total. Now, some people get excited over that, right? Heard a statistic today. I think it was on Eli's uh, podcast. Uh, can't, I can never say. Do y'all know how to pronounce his last name? Eli, um, big Packer fan. Eli Berkowitz. Oh, Eli Berkowitz. Berkowitz. Okay. Eli Berkowitz uh, was interviewing someone who covered BC and a stat they threw out. And the guy, you could hear him. He was like hesitant. Like you could tell the guy who covered BC was kind of like, eh, you guys. It, it To me, it sounds like people weren't like, very big on Halfley's defense, not just from that, just what he briefly mentioned. And maybe he was just trying to put things completely into perspective. It's not like they just ripped it out of the frame at BC. We got to, we got to make sure we're telling the whole story here, right? I don't want to create false expectations is the last thing I want to do on this pod. 
but he spent four years at BC and that four years, he described explosive plays as 12 yards or more. I've always heard explosive plays of 20 yards or more. It could be 12. Maybe that's adjusted in the last few years. Maybe I completely whiffed on that. But I've always heard explosives as 20 yards or more. But I do talk to a lot of high school coaches, too. So the number may be higher in that regard. Nonetheless, he said explosive plays, 12 yards or more. In the four years that Halfley was at BC, they gave up explosive plays 13.3% of the time. That was 24th highest in all of college football in that four-year span. So the problem with being this aggressive and playing that that high man coverage total, like I said all year long on Chalk Talk, is you're very, very, very vulnerable, right, to um, giving up explosive plays. And we know if you hit an explosive play, it triples your chances of scoring on that drive. That's the whole point of the Fangio style. You even heard Halfley in that interview mention Fangio, right? and how they got that whole cult running the Fangio style. Well, Fangio style is cooling off. It'll probably come back like like everything in the NFL does. Right now, you'll kind of see, all right, who's going to emerge as, you know, the big darling was Dallas for for a good chunk of the, the like the first third of the year, right, until everybody started cutting them apart with the run game. And then, of course, the Packers absolutely embarrassed them in the playoffs. So that's cooled off a bit, although Dan Campbell did end up in Washington as head coach. Um, so you just got to kind of – that's what I like what you said, Tim, Jacob, same thing. Um, with Halfley, he seems like he's going to be flexible, and that's very, very, very important. Very important. All right. So something else he mentioned, Ben Fennel said, Packers have to find more ways to attack quarterbacks slash pockets with their most explosive players. DB blitzing in twenty three, Packers did it two point six percent of the time. That was dead last as far as pressure rate. Okay, or as far as bringing pressure from the DBs blitzing in twenty three, uh, twenty twenty three, Boston College did it fifteen point two percent of the time. So, I mean, there's a, a big difference there, but there's a big difference between the college game. Uh, notice a good amount of nickel slash slot pressures, often dropping backside defensive end. Oh, no. Wait a minute here. <laughs> notice a good amount of nickel slash slot pressures, what I refer to as a cat blitz sometimes, often dropping backside defensive ends into coverage. More safeties. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean? You're probably still gonna see the big boy Preston Smith dropping into coverage. And I don't want to hear sure about that. Coming. I'm telling you, the first time it happens, someone's gonna hashtag fire Joe Barry, and I'm gonna laugh my rear end off, bro. It's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> and more safeties lurking around the line of scrimmage. Really like that. Really like that. Now he also <laughs> said, uh, Ben Fennel said, now it's important uh to reminder, um, more aggressive. Man coverage, heavy pressure concepts, etc., doesn't imply a better defense. This style has its pros and cons, like every scheme, like we talked about. What were you gonna say, Jacob? No, I just I, I can't remember if it was me and Tim or you and or me and uh, you. We talked about we brought up we're like, when's the last time we saw a corner blitz? When's the last time we saw that? I mean, we talked about how Woodson used to always do that. Now, now that we see it on paper here, I mean, two point six percent. It makes sense. I think we had to go back like four or five weeks to even remember the first one. And, you know, the, the one before that was another four or five weeks. So I, I'm getting more and more excited. I'm not going to lie. As I keep getting into this, as I keep learning about this dude's scheme, it seems like he is the cautiously aggressive type of play caller that we've been waiting for. And like, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Like we talked about when I first saw the hire, I'm like, oh, good press man all the time. I'm going to get used to looking behind you and watching the quarterback run up the middle of the field. You know what I mean? Before the guys even look. But it seems like, no, nah, he's going to be doing a lot of different schemes and that maybe on a third and down that he's maybe going to do a little more press than we're, than we're used to seeing. And I, I like that. And maybe he's doing a little more blitzing schemes. Maybe he's doing a little more, you know, just being a little more aggressive, but doing it in smart pockets of the game. And I'm really excited about that. I yeah. think it. I think that's a great point because if – you hear him talk about a lot of middle field close with a single high look. And that gives you the opportunity that if you, you lull an off an offense into seeing that a lot now, now maybe on a third down, you're dropping that safety down and blitzing them. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not just the corners. We could see some, you know, safety blitzes mixed in there as well. And uh, depending on who we have back there, we'll see how this draft goes. That could be really interesting. If we've got some uh, young, super fast athletic safeties, that can uh, get pressure on the quarterback be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, the, the main thing though, just like Ben Pennell said here, more aggressive, you know, man coverage, heavy pressure concepts doesn't imply better defense. The style has pros and cons. It, you know, yeah. when it works, great play call. 
And you give up a 40-yard touch. When was the last time we gave up a long touchdown pass? Think. Think for a second. It's been a long time. All right. You're probably You're right. You got to get home on those. That's yeah. the thing. You can you can scheme it up. If that pressure is not getting home, you're you're screwed usually yeah. 9 out of 10 times. So Definitely. Nick McSwain in the chat says uh maybe Savage would do better in a different scheme. I'll tell you, there's been a lot of people that's kind of reemerged going, maybe Savage can make this work. Maybe can The thing I love about this fan base, listen, they can be toxic. We all can. I'm I'm as guilty as anyone. But it, it's like all it takes is one little shift, one little change. It's like, let's give this guy a chance again. Savage has had a chance <laughs> like the last, what, three years he's played cheeks, right? And this year he kind of jumped back to 75 on PFF. Of course, you look at the passer rating when targeted, not good. But nonetheless, Packer fans seem like they're back on board with the whole Savage thing. Like, let's give him one more shot. It would be awesome too, man, <laughs> if you uh, if he comes back in and, and actually, uh, you know, in this defense kind of returns to that old form, if you will. Now, another thing he likes to do when you get in the red zone, uh, as far as Halfley, when he's in the red zone, he loves playing zero. We actually played some zero ourselves this year in the red zone. We've seen it several times under Joe Barry. But, you know, here is a couple of positive plays of what we mean by zero coverage, okay? So we're in the red zone, right? Notice there's no safety deep. This is just man across the board. Now, everybody screaming press. Look at the DBs, guys. Look how far off they are. Okay, so let's, that's what I'm saying. Let's pump our brakes a bit. All right. So here we are in red zone. Notice zero coverage. This play we broke down, Tim. This is a perfect example right here. Watch the defensive lineman, Jacob. Watch the watch the the big boy on the um, – I know you can't see my cursor, but he is – from the offensive perspective, he's right over the right guard. Watch, right, watch what happens right here. Engage, drop back. Look at Preston Smith, baby. <laughs> Look at that big boy. That ain't he Preston. That's actually Devontae Wyatt there. <laughs> So the reason it falls incomplete, now I want to point this out because we showed on Chalk Talk last night. Yes, it drops incomplete, right? Big boy actually gets a hand on it right there. But look at the seam right now. See, if Jordan Travis sees that seam, that's a touchdown. Yeah. Right. Now, last night we showed where they went zero again, and they got burned for a touchdown. So that's the pros and cons we talk about. Here's another zero pressure look, right, or zero concept look. Again, notice the DBs, how far they're playing off the receivers. Proper expectations, people. Proper expectations. Okay. Zero. There's no safety deep. It's all catch man, right? If this guy up top in the slot just runs a post, it's game over. Okay. Now, again, these end up being positive plays, but I just want to point out that. <laughs> yeah. That was a bad read, by the way. Like, yeah. That was real bad. You, you basically said, huh, who's covered? Let's throw it there. <laughs> so just not a good look there. And I don't like the play call either. Don't I was get me wrong. Say that you play call is horrible. You got Haas, you got Haas on the left, you got Smash on the right. Man coverage and, and outside leverage. That's just not a good look. What I would like to do here is if, give your quarterback a pick aside, right? Give one that attacks the middle of the field, then one that attacks the corner. Um, just not a good look there. So anyway, that's your zero look. Okay. You're probably gonna see you might see a little bit more of that when we get inside the red zone. So uh just wanted to point that out. Now, when we talk about man coverage, right? And he was and Ben Venom was talking about like 63% of the time or whatever, right? Packers defense. In 2023, ran man coverage 23% of the time. That was 21st in the league. Look at their EPA, though, fourth in EPA. So the players responded pretty well to man coverage. The problem is all, all I can think about is Keyshawn Nixon with the game on the line, playing press, playing mirror match press against the Giants and us you know, giving up 32 yards in the game-winning field goal because we got aggressive with man. That's the stuff that – but nonetheless, man coverage EPA was good. We only ran it 23% of the time. Now – People would say, man, we're going to be running man coverage 60% of the time. If we run man coverage 50% of the time, it may break an NFL record. And I'm going to show you why. The Atlanta Falcons ran man coverage more than anyone last year. Okay? You see they're first in percentage rank. They only ran man coverage 40% of the time. Again, proper expectations. Zone coverage, they ran 46% of the time. So they still ran more man than zone, but they ran more man than anyone else in the league. So please don't trick yourself into thinking we're going to be playing man coverage, you know, 50% of the time, 60% of the time. It ain't going to happen, right? So, but with that being said, also look at their EPA in Atlanta, 21st in man coverage. I don't know why they kept doing it. Maybe they maybe they just felt like they needed a high draft pick, but they were uh they were pretty cheeks against man. They were they were much better in zone according to EPA, but again, there you go. Just want to point that out, right? So, it's important to kind of understand 
there's a difference between college ball. There's a difference between pro ball, right? So um, I love how Ben Fennel put it in all caps there at the end. There are pros and cons. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good move. But I think what you're going to see, though, everything I've heard on Jeff Hackley, I think you're going to see a guy that comes in and sits down with the floor and they just they go through the scheme, the game plan together every single week, and they go, let's get really creative on how we're going to attack this team. They're not just going to sit in press man, right? That was the other thing, too, when we broke it down to tape yesterday. One game saturation, 14 key plays on defense. Uh, these were the 14 most important, impactful plays for Boston College's defense. They played mirror match press man. Only seven defenders played mirror match press man, okay? So to put that into perspective, we ran 14 plays. On average, there was five it's most of the time four, in some cases, five defenders playing man coverage, okay, especially in the zero looks, which there were several of. Mirror match press man, only seven defenders played mirror match press man. Only three defenders played press man. So let's say on average there were four defenders playing man coverage on each play, 14 times four. What is that, 56? So you've got 56 total opportunities to play press man or mirror match press man, out of 56 opportunities, only seven played mirror match press man, and only three played press man. Now, some people are going, what the hell is mirror match press man? Press man, first of all, they're both press man. They're up on the line, they're up on the receiver, and the goal is to engage with them as soon as possible. Press man is real simple. You're going to take your hands and you're going to jam him in the chest. You're going to try to reroute him and you're going to try to stay on him for the first five yards. You're going to press the hell out of him. You're going to try to funnel him one way or the other. And good route runners, what they'll do like Tay is they'll just do a quick drop back, gone. And, and you'll see those guys whip. That's why you get explosives out of press man. Okay, not everybody can play it. Mirror match press man, same exact look. You're up on the line. Sometimes they might make a little contact, but it's going to be very minimal. Most of the time, they fake like they're going to press, and then they're in their hip pocket, and they're just focused on the receiver mirroring every single thing they do. You're in their hip pocket. You're just you're watching them and mirroring, and then if you see their eyes go looking for the ball, you snap your head around and try to make a play on the ball. That's why we've seen Florida State able to run the ball there in the second half against BC because those guys, they were, even though they weren't even playing mirror match or press, traditional press, their backs were to the ball. They had no clue that Florida State was running the ball. So you're taking all the eyes off of the quarterback, all the eyes off of the football, with the exception of the one zero coverage play that forced the fumble and the scoop and score for BC. And that was because the corners were playing about seven to eight yards off. He was watching the quarterback through his guy. So it's a snap. You're keying in on the run. And now you can pick up your work. Now you can pick up your work with your eye adjustment. So um, when you're pressed, you can't do that. So just wanted to point that out. Um, there you go. As far as the rushers, another thing that was a discrepancy amongst uh, between what I seen in that one game saturation and what Ben Fennel saying he seen, he he kind of made it sound as if there's going to be heavy six man pressure in that game of those 14 plays. We brung we being BC. I'm a Boston College fan now, by the way. Um, we brung five pass rushers only, uh, or we brung five pass rushers seven times, four pass rushers six times. And we only brung six pass rushers one time in that game. Now, it could be that Jordan Travis was such a mobile quarterback that the reason you're dropping that big defensive lineman back, it's almost like a spy mid-drop zone. But I'm just telling you right now, man, Packer fans are going to lose their mind if you see Devontae White or Carl Brooks dropping in the coverage because they didn't like it when someone came out in a 12 or a 21 and Preston Smith had to cover for two seconds. So uh, proper – expectations so all right what y'all got let's go around the horn jacob anything you want to add there tim let's go around once. um i mean it, it is just kind of i don't know i don't know how to word this without sounding like a pretentious d-bag but uh it's funny to look through most packer fans like i i look through a lot of the packer threads and groups and chats and you constantly just see nothing but like Preston Smith memes about, Hey, our best cornerbacks hanging it up or blah, blah, blah. And it, like you said, it's going to be really funny to watch them all just be like, well, I mean, people forget about like one of the most iconic moments in Packers history <clears throat> is when BJ Raji drops back to the coverage and gets a pick. You know what I mean? And, and or Clay Matthews or Clay Matthews, or, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where I don't understand 
how you get that mentality built up in your head and you're just like it's it's that mob mentality where like this is right this is right this is right but anyways you know that being said it's it's nice i'm glad that people are starting to get encouraged um again this just feels like such a packers thing it feels like a packers draft pick you, you make the pick who who is this guy <laughs> and then we do some research and you're like oh all right yeah no i was i was on board the whole time that's um, exactly what it's, it's like on Twitter right now, man. And even more fitting, it seems like everybody's going to be excited. And then halfway into the first season, we're going to be like, he's doing the same stuff that Barry did. Fire yeah. him. And yeah, then great, that, great point. We should give him more than 15 minutes to install his defense. Yeah. Guys, you know, yeah. let's let's be patient. Donovan Schilling says, I'm right, you're wrong, Jacob. <laughs> so there you go. Touche. <laughs> Welcome to the arena. Oh, Mike Whip, my bad, man. I missed the super chat. I'm sorry, buddy. He said, "Didn't Gary play in a four three at Michigan?" Yes, I think I, I think they play a little bit of a hybrid look, but I'm not sure, Mike. I would trust your your judgment over that. You know, over mine. I had a good friend. His name was Jeremy. Uh, he's actually an Eagles fan. Lives just outside of Philly, and he's a big Michigan fan. And when we drafted Rashawn Gary, I immediately looked at the numbers, looked at some of the snaps. I shot him a message, and I said, "Hey, man." What's the deal with Rashawn Gary? It just doesn't seem like a very you know intriguing pick. He went Clayton, unselfish. He did everything they asked him to do on the interior. He said, "You guys got a dog," and I was like, mm. "I went okay, thanks, man!" And exclamation points. And I put the phone down like I ain't buying that Kirby. Take that down the street, <laughs> right? Lo and behold, we look up two years later, we got us a dog, right? So um, he was asked, to the best of my knowledge, to play inside more and play the run and play very unselfish. He was one of the highest recruited players out of high school. So the pedigree was there. You can see he was, he's been his, the best athlete on his teams from day one, starting probably P wall P P wee to middle school to high school, all that. And then as he gets into uh, um, obviously college, just an unselfish player, you've seen it with Rashawn Gary. He's just a, I love Gary, man. He's one of my favorite players. That dude just – and you you could see his sack numbers take a hit on the back half of the season because he stopped rushing the way he was before. You could – anybody who was watching the tape could see. They made an adjustment, and they're, they're trying to keep those edges from just running upfield and leave those rushing lanes open. Yep. Um, and I and promise he, Rashawn doesn't care about his sack totals absolutely. the way fans do. He cares about, you know, doing what's best to help this team win games. Definitely. But Mike, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Appreciate you. Um, Lee in the chat says, I've seen Ja play mirror, uh, mirror press man a couple of times. Lee, we have played press man multiple times last year. You're, you're spot on. We played a lot of man coverage last year. And it, it goes back to what Jacob said, the whole mob mentality of everybody convincing each other, you know, that, well, no, this is what actually happened. That stuff drives me crazy. And if someone wants to talk about it on their podcast, hey, more power to you. I'm not going to comment and dunk on them, right? Like, I ain't going to go in there and try to prove them wrong. If someone wants to comment or talk about it on their Twitter, that's cool. I'm not I'm not going to get in their mentions. But when you climb in my mentions and try to convince me that one screen grab that you found from week six where this guy was playing off on a third and three, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm going to meet you at the door every damn time. I'm going to embarrass you and then I'm going to block you. It's going to be that simple. I don't, I never understand that people jumping into people's mentions just to try to prove how ignorant they are. It just makes no sense. Doug uh, in the chat says, in my opinion, Halfley is petting 2.0. Um, he has a little bit of that within his coaching background. Let me give you guys his completely co coaching background. Okay. Uh, Worcester, I think I'm saying that right. Worcester, um, Polytech, he was a running backs coach. This was in 2001. Um, in 2002, 2003, he went to Albany. He was a defensive assistant under Mike White, okay? Um, that was Ed Zaloom was the head coach that he was running back coach uh, under. Um, in 2004 to 2005, he got promoted to defensive backs coach at Albany, and that was still under Mike White, head coach Mike White. In 2006 to 2007, he went to the University of Pitt. He was a defensive assistant under Dave Wonstadt. Some of you guys went, Dave Wonstadt from the Bears? That's him. That's the guy, right? He kind of – came up through the coaching ranks of Pitt and, and you know, had a phenomenal program at Pitt. So he was an assistant to Dave Wonstadt. In 2008 through 2010, he got promoted to the defensive backs coach by Dave Wonstadt, okay? Then he went to Rutgers in 2011 to be defensive backs coach for Greg Schiano. okay? Then Greg Schiano went to Tampa Bay in 2012 
So Jeff Halfley was in Tampa from 2012 to 2013 as the secondary slash safeties coach with Greg Piano. I don't think anyone would try to convince you that that coaching staff did a good job in Tampa, right? It doesn't mean Jeff Halfley's a bad coach. It means they couldn't get it to click. That's all it means, all right? In 2014 and 2015, he went to the Cleveland Browns as the defensive backs coach, and there he coached for Mike Pettin. So there's your Mike Pettin tie that you're asking about, Doug. Um, it could be that Pettin's a little 2.0, um, or I'm sorry, that Halfley is a little Pettin 2.0. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, again, if we've got the proper expectations. To think that this guy's going to come in and just run this exotic new defense that the NFL has never seen before, that 60% man coverage, you're setting yourself up to be very disappointed. Not you, Doug. I'm saying those people in general. Um, in 2019, he left uh, – I'm sorry. In 2016, he went to the San Francisco 49ers to be the defensive backs coach for Robert Sala. It was another D.C. at the time, Robert Sala – gets hired as the D.C. He coached under two different coaches, but Robert Sala is the most recent NFL coach that he's kind of coached under. So if you were to paint a picture of his coaching tree, you would say Dave Wanstad, right, Greg Schiano, but Greg Schiano, I, I would go Greg Schiano and just move on real quick. I wouldn't mention that one very, very long. Um, then Mike Pettin, Robert Sala. That's kind of the cloth he's cut from, all right? Now, he goes to Ohio State, where he's the co-defensive coordinator in 2019, and he also coached the secondary under, obviously, uh, the head coach that's still there, legendary Ryan Day. And then he went to Boston College in 2020 as the new head coach and has been there for four years. So that's his complete coaching history. Mike Pettin 2.0 might be a little too rich for me, Doug, you know, but he did coach under Pettin. He coached under Robert Sala. Now, if you look at Robert Sala and what he does, his whole philosophy, his whole approach with the Jets and what he did with the 49ers, he's a 4-3 base, okay? So he runs a 4-3 base defense. He plays one-gap scheme, all right? One-gap, one-run-gap scheme. And what that allows the defensive lineman to do is to penetrate really, really quickly, okay? So you're not in a 34. It's a engage, try to occupy two gaps, now, one back equals one gap, two backs equals two gaps. That's typically the, the thought process. But in a in a 34 defense, you've got huge defensive linemen that are 300 pounds plus, right? The goal is to engage and hold your ground and eat up double teams so your four linebackers can flow to the ball and make the play. The problem is our linebackers haven't done a good job of flowing and making the play. So doesn't matter what scheme you bring in, the players continue to underperform, especially in the back seven blowing coverages, not communicating, that type of thing. The thing that's intriguing the most to me about Coach Halfley is I think that communication is going to increase. Everyone he's played for is like, this dude is freaking prepared. Future Hall of Famer Richard Sherman, whether you like him or not, I think we would all agree he's going into the Hall of Fame. There's a good chance of that, right? That dude spoke glowingly about Halfley. He's like, he's as good as anyone at preparation and preparing his players and, and making sure that they understand the simplicity of here's their assignment. It's what Belichick did so well for so long. Do your job was his motto. People hear that and they think do your job means shut up and do your job. That's not, that's not what it means. You've heard Belichick. If you, anyone who's got ears to listen, Belichick said it a thousand times. Do your job means forget all the noise, forget everything with your specific job. You've got maybe you got two, maybe three things that you just need to focus on. That's it. You know, if you're covering in a in a zone match, if you're covering the flat, if the two doesn't go vertical, just focus on that. How can I play with the perfect technique? How can I get there? Arrive at confrontation, ready to handle confrontation, right? Playing balanced, all those things. Just focus on the two or three things that you're responsible for and forget everything else. Don't try to do too much. Just do your job. That's what Belichick keyed in on. That's the vibe I get from when I hear former uh, players talk about Jeff Halfley. It's like he just he, – he makes it so simple. And the reason it's so simple is because he was willing to put in the time to make it complex for himself to break it down to the simplest terms, if that makes sense. So, um, anyway, let's go around the horn here once, Tim. What do you got, man? Parting thoughts. I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with getting the best out of, your, out of your players, right? You know, you find out who does what well on your team. And, you know, you work that into your assignments and you put them in positions to make plays. And, um, you know, a balanced approach is what I think we're going to see when it when it's all said and done. I don't think we're going to get 
too one-sided, you know, and uh, the, the big question mark we have is, you know, how is he going to call a game, right? We know the preparation is going to be there, obviously. I mean, we, we just talked about his reputation um, for being prepared and having his guys ready to play. But, you know, when, when the clock starts and game flow is going and, you know, adjustments need to be made on the fly or situational uh, play calls need to happen, that's the question mark we have. And time will tell. I got a feeling, you know, if you're prepared, you're giving yourself a chance to go out there and be successful. So um, mm-hmm. I think we'll get to really see what he looks like as a play caller. I'm going to, you know, for all the people that kind of check out and they don't come back until week one, I would highly encourage you this this uh, offseason to start paying attention. And, uh, you know, preseason is going to be interesting because we're going to get to see that. We're going to get a look at live game speed and, uh, you know, how he calls a defense. So uh, I'm excited, you know, you know, being a, I was a Joe Barry guy. That doesn't mean I'm not excited for our new DC. I think this is going to be great. And uh, the future looks bright and I uh, can't wait to start seeing uh, what he does out there with uh, the talent that we have and the new talent that'll be brought in here after the draft and after free agency, I'm sure we'll get to uh Goody's presser uh, probably tonight, right, Clayton? Um, yeah, definitely. We got a bunch of those clips uh, keyed up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, he spoke about that too, about you know mm-hmm. free agency and you know a lot of a lot of good gems in that uh, that Goody presser. Yeah, I liked that as a lot. As, it was like that uh, that um, that meme where he had the he had the cigarettes and uh, <laughs> the lung dart in his mouth, you know, or he had the sunglasses and the lung dart. Yeah, looking cool. That that was Goody at the presser uh, yesterday for he sure. Looked slim down too. My man looked like he'd been on the yeah. treadmill or something. Been on the bike. He looked good. Looked real yeah, good. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll do a breakdown of his fashion here in the, in the next week or so and kind of see Goody staying up on the swag. But uh, now, nah, um, <laughs> I'm not team anybody when it comes to a coach. I'm team watching the damn tape and understanding exactly what's happening. And you know the reason I defended. Um, Joe Barry, and to this day, I'll put on the tape with you and I'll defend him to the end because is he? I said all, all year long, are there better candidates? No doubt there's better DC candidates, and you need to improve it. That's why I was halfway through the season. I'm like, let's just move on. Let's just go ahead and get, get some fresh face in there. But when you when you turn on the tape, you don't see a scheme problem. You don't see an adjustment. Everybody likes to throw the adjustment thing around. It cracks me up. And you go, what adjustment? We just You just got to do something that ain't working. It ain't working because that dude's standing in space with nobody within eight yards around him. Like, I promise you, that wasn't in the defense. They go, hey, guy, don't, don't, go, don't cover anybody. Just go out there and stand. Pick dandelions, right? So, um, again, that's on Joe Barry for not communicating well enough and getting the job done. The NFL stands for not for long. If you if you perform like that, you are not going to be in this league for long. You're not going to have a premier job anyway. But um, Jacob, what you got, Bob? Um, not too much else. I am excited to watch him progress. It's kind of like when we watched Matt Lafleur. Um, if you remember the first couple, it was it was rough watching him do his interviews for the first year until he kind of found a kind of found his 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 ego, his you know that kind of grit. Um, so I think that with coach Halfley, it seems like he already kind of has that. Uh, it seems like I'm hoping he can work the media well enough and not get, uh, kind of pushed around. Uh, I felt like Matt got a little bit pushed around by the media and he kind of was, Oh, shucks, Matt for a while. Um, I'm hoping Halfley comes in and he, uh, he gets a little more aggressive. I'm going to watch how he starts to win over the locker room because I, as much as, you know, we talked about it, I think that, um, I think that uh, that Barry honestly did probably win over a lot of those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see if the, the new defensive coach immediately gets those guys to buy in, if they start to, you know, latch on his personality and that kind of thing. And then yeah. it's just going to watch, you know, how, how, yeah, how he adjusts to the NFL. He, he seems like he's ready for it. And that he, again, I love the fact that he's prepared, he over-prepared, but let's, let's see that implemented in the game plan. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The big thing too, is like when you talk about making things simple and hearing his former players, Halfley's former players, you know, just when, when a coach or a leader is willing to take the extra time to understand it at a different level, to convey that message to their employees, their players, their pupils, whoever, that's when like special things happen. Like, and, and success is universal. As we were talking about it, I was sitting there thinking, of a quote. I was thinking, what, what is that Steve Jobs quote? And I was trying to think of it. So I just went ahead and Googled it and pulled it up. This right here is what we're talking about, about keeping things simple. Um, but in order to keep things simple, you've got to put in the work on the front side to make things simple. So, you know, you can prevent things from being so complex essentially, but this is the Steve Jobs quote. He said, that's been one of my mantras. 
focus and simplicity. Simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple, but it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. Again, that's Steve Jobs, uh, founder, I guess, creator of Apple, owner of Apple before he passed away. Uh, whether you like Steve Jobs as a person, you can't deny the success he had in building the business, right? I don't know enough about him personally. I try not to waste mental energy on what someone does um, outside of what am I trying to study uh, success principle-wise, right? So, um, but that right there, to me, I think of Belichick, I think of someone like uh, the way Halfley speaks is being able to simplify things for their players. And, and the way Belichick did it was, hey, look, cut out the nonsense. Just focus on these two or three things that's your responsibility in this scheme and just do your job, right? So keep things simple. It can be harder than complex, but it's worth it in the end because when you do, you can move mountains, so. Um, all right, we're out of here, guys. We will be back tonight with the Goody Presser. I was hoping we can get to it this morning, but we're out of time. Um, figured we would continue in that whole vein, you know, talking about uh, Jeff Halfley and 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 what his tendencies are and that type of thing. Ben Pennell did an excellent job on Twitter, so I thought we'd jump into that and then kind of draw a comparison across the league. But we'll be back tonight. We'll hear from Goody. Goody actually talked about Jordan Love's contract situation, okay? He talked about Jordan Love's leadership. He talked about – he was actually asked – about trading Jair Alexander. I'm actually I'm going to play this one because it's real quick. He was asked, "Did you give any thought in the trading Jair Alexander?" Here was his response. Iteration to trading him. No season. No. <laughs> Brian, didn't even let the question get out. And I love it. I love how you went. No, no, and then he just immediately went on to the next report. Like the the look in his eye was, I can't believe you wasted your question on that one, bub. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So anyway, he talked about that. He also talked a little bit about Bakhtiari's future. He talked about the vision for the defense, went a little long-winded there with the Jeff Halfley hire, and then obviously Goody on Aaron Jones as well we'll talk about because it sounds like they're going to do whatever they got to do to make sure Aaron Jones is back on the roster. So um, with that being said, though, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Always a blast hanging out with you guys here on Good Morning Lambeau. Uh, Mike Witt, thank you so much for the super chat, bub. We appreciate you supporting the stream. Um, thank you guys, everybody in the merch store. It, it's I mean, it, it blows my mind what you guys are doing in the merch store. It's absolutely awesome. You guys and gals are amazing. We appreciate y'all supporting us, all that. We'll get some more cool designs out. That way you can uh, support the show that way and just get some cool uh, apparel to go along with it. So I know my coffee mug going to be here in a couple of days. I'm excited about that. Got me a new soup mug on the way. Jacob, you order anything yet, man? I was I got I got to get, get the coffee mug for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, there's some cool designs too. Got a cool, uh, cool uh, beer uh, beer mug. I'm gonna design too. One of those big ones, right? One of the big steins. Oh yeah, well, it's glass, but you know, you get the picture. Throw that thing in the freezer. Woo! Hey, Mandy, been cutting up limes for me, right? Cutting up lime wedges, throwing them in the baggie, and putting them in the freezer. So it's like a lime ice cube in the old beer. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Y'all wonder where I got this double chin from. <laughs> but we'll see you guys tonight. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.